Good morning, good afternoon, good evening if you're watching online. My name is David Oliver and I'm so pleased to be doing this together today. What a privilege, what a pleasure to be online together. Well aware this morning if you're watching live that some of you will be at home isolated and feeling very alone. Just imagine we're all together in your living room with you and hopefully it won't be too long before we're able to shake hands or give each other a hug again. Who knows? Many of you, of course, are members of Hub Community Church, which used to meet in the Apollo Hotel pre-COVID, and who knows how long it will be before we can do that again, but you're welcome. Especially welcome, however, are those of you online who are not members of Hub Community Church, or maybe you've never been to church before, or perhaps just a couple of times, and you're joining us on these Sunday online sessions together. Last week alone, there were over 15,000 online church services just in the UK alone. And one in four UK adults watched or engaged with some kind of religious program online or on the TV. So it's so cool to have you joining with us as well. In other words, whoever you are, Wherever you are, wherever you're watching from, a big, big welcome from me. Now, I've given today's topic a title, and my title is 53 Words. 53 words that have shaped the last 2,020 years. 53 words that have shaped many of the countries that make up our current world. 53 words that have shaped the Hub Community Church, shaped many millions of churches around the world and 53 words that have transformed my life. And in fact, these 53 words have already been spoken many millions of times around the world today, depending on time zone, of course. And they've probably been spoken out loud, certainly been thought through and maybe prayed through. And interestingly, I can guarantee that pretty every one of you watching this knows these words by heart. And some folks call these words the Lord's Prayer. In fact, these 53 words are words that tens of millions of people around the world, depending on their time zone, have probably already spoken out loud. And these 53 words are words that come straight from the lips of Jesus himself. They're not trivial, they're not insignificant. These are words that are really life-changing, life-shaping and life-transforming. These words were chosen by Jesus because they shape our daily thinking, our daily attitude, our daily responses and our daily actions. And I can pretty much guarantee that every one of you watching, whether you are a member of a church or not even, knows these words off by heart. And what is amazing is these words are for you. They're for me, for every one of us watching. Now, some folks call these 53 words the Lord's Prayer. Actually, Jesus didn't use that title himself. These words were actually originally like a mentoring course. They were meant to be mentoring words, a kind of step-by-step -step mentoring experience for the disciples. And Jesus seems to be intent 
upon impressing on the disciples and on us, by the way, the daily relevance, the daily importance of each of the ingredients that are written into this prayer. So here we are, these 53 words are a prayer, the only mentoring prayer of its kind in the Bible. And it shows us what's important to God, really important to God, and what God intends to be really important to us. Now, in just a moment, these words are going to appear on screen. And when they do, I'm going to pause and I'm going to read them out loud line by line. And I would like you to do them with me. If you're with your family, don't be embarrassed. Give it a go. You can giggle. No one will see you. Don't worry. But as you do it, would you remember with me that these were words spoken by Jesus himself, words to live by, words to be shaped by, words to handle our lives by, and maybe, just maybe, as we speak them out loud together, God himself will make himself real and maybe even speak to one or two of us. Right then, you ready? The words are on screen. Let's take it nice and steady. Let God, let God touch you as we read the words that came from the mouth of Jesus himself. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. In this prayer, every day we're reminded that if we're followers, disciples of Jesus, God is our Father. He loves us. We're part of his family. Nancy and Matt in previous broadcasts brought this out. But there's perspective here. There's security here. There's love and there's belonging to a family right here in the opening words. Everyone watching today, without exception, needs the love of a father the approval of a father and the knowledge that we belong somewhere. And right here, right now, Jesus nails that. It's done. Our father. We're reminded that heaven is God's address and that too gives us a perspective. Whatever the toughest circumstances we face on earth, ultimately our destination is in heaven. We're also reminded that just as God's will is being done in heaven, it's a place of action, activity, strategy, plan, and fulfilling of those plans. God wants his will to be done in our lives daily. Andy Wright, a couple of weeks ago, challenged us. Are we living for God? Are we choosing his ways? Are we submitting to God's ways, God's plan, God's choices? And for those of you long in the tooth as Christians, hope community church members, that's a daily bending of the knee, a daily seeking first the kingdom of God. Good to be reminded. Last week, Phil reminded us about receiving our daily bread and he showed us how the prayer takes us from the immensity of a father in heaven with not just one solar system, but masses of galaxies and other solar systems, presumably the scale of God Almighty and bread on the table. So if we're followers of Jesus, then 
if we're followers of Jesus, we're in the most loving, the most amazing family in the universe. We are wanted, we belong, we have a family that's on a mission together to reach out and make a difference. We're encouraged right here in these 53 words to believe every day that our lives have purpose and that purpose is tied up in choosing God's will, God's way and following God's plans. And all that already from just 53 life-changing, life-shaping words. But it's fascinating then that in this same prayer we're encouraged to pray, deliver us from evil. And then in the same prayer, Jesus articulates one of the most common evils. Have you clocked it already? Go on, say it out loud if you're in a lounge full of kids. Well, it's unforgiveness. What do the words of Jesus actually say? Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. So in this prayer, forgiveness starts with us and God but it's inextricably linked at the same time in parallel connected with our relationship with others forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors now the word in the original language of the bible for debts that jesus uses here can mean a money debt <clears throat> or a sin or an offence against someone. And the word is beautiful because it's reminding us when we sin against someone or when we sin against God, it's as if we know instinctively, don't we? We owe them. So for example, if I borrow your car and you kindly loan it to me and I crash it and wreck it because of carelessness, I owe you the repair, of course, but I also owe you my heartfelt apology and relationally, I think we all know that. It's kind of class 101, isn't it, in relationships. But it's so important that Jesus wants us to be reminded of it daily. He wants us to deal with it daily. Now, of course, with my borrowed car, it's pretty straightforward. I can apologize to you and I can take responsibility, get the damage sorted and pay for it. But how could that possibly work with God? I can never pay God back for the wrong things I've done. And I still do every day. But the good news, the amazing news is that the whole story of Jesus' death and his resurrection is precisely to resolve this problem, to solve this dilemma. He's paid the price that no human being could ever pay. And because of that, it is now staggeringly accessible, staggeringly and wonderfully simple. I confess my sin and all the reparations necessary have been made forever by Jesus and my relationship with the Heavenly Father is put right. But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself because I wanted to explain this so you could see it and feel it. It's true that every day we do things we should not have done. We say things we shouldn't have said. We think things that we should not have thought. We go against God's will. We go against his laws. We fall short in our love of God and our love and care of others. And that's a dilemma, isn't it? We all know, and this pandemic's proved it even more, we live in a broken world with broken promises, broken behavior around us. And somehow it produces a dilemma that needs sorting. And in this prayer, Jesus gives us clear guidelines. And as I suggested just now, it starts with me and God. It starts with me and my heavenly father. Now, as a dad myself, I know all too well that 
if one of the kids, for example, was disobedient, or if a child in a family would steal or lie, and nothing was done about it, what does it do in the family? Things can't go on as normal, can they? You know that, I know that. It damages the relationship for both the child and the dad. And interestingly, it brings an unresolved tension or dynamic into the family as well. Now, of course, as a father, I still love my child, but there is a fracture, a brokenness in the relationship. And the only possibility of full restoration in that relationship as with any relationship, is for the offender to fess up, confess, the Bible calls it, <clears throat> repent, say sorry, and for the other person to exercise forgiveness. Then, and only then, is relationship and fully healthy family dynamic resolved. And the Bible says in Proverbs 28 verse 13, you will never succeed in life if you try to hide your sins. Fess them up and give them up. Then God will show mercy to you. Now, some of us do feel these things more than others. I'm aware of that, but let me share a recent story. I was with a work colleague, and I did something unbeknown to me that deeply embarrassed and offended my colleague. The atmosphere changed immediately. I had caused offense, and the feeling of damage and relational disconnection or separation was immediate and strong. And it's not me being a good person, I couldn't wait to seek out that colleague, apologize, and fortunately, the colleague was able to extend forgiveness. And just as instantly, that relationship was okay again. The problem is, if we ignore those signs of relational offense and we don't look to put them right, or out of unease, embarrassment, or fear, we just bury them, what does it do over time? You know it, I know it. It brings a creeping distance and eventually fragmentation or a totally dislocated relationship. And what is true on earth is even more true in heaven. Because whether I feel these things like that intensely or not, when it comes to our relationship with God, if we have not repented and confessed our sins and actively had the pleasure, the joy, the wonder of receiving forgiveness for those sins, then I am distanced from my dad, my heavenly father. He still loves me, but there's a distance. The Bible in the New Testament says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to wash us from all unrighteousness. And for those of you that are mature Christians, it's so easy to take God and his forgiveness for granted. It's easy to forget that we can damage our relationship with God because we don't confess our sins and receive forgiveness. He's a father. He loves to forgive, of course. But as with any father, for our own sake, he wants us to confess our sins and to hear that we are forgiven, to know that we are forgiven, to receive that forgiveness so that we can start every day quite literally like it is the next day of the rest of our life. We're washed clean as if we were newly born again, trailing clouds of glory whence we came, according to Wordsworth in another context. So, that's why Jesus died on the cross. He enabled us to get forgiveness so that every day we can walk right with God. We can hear from God. We can receive the love and approval of God. We can know love. We can know approval and we can know 
belonging. And then forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Forgiveness of others is so practically important that we're told by Jesus that God can't forgive us if we hold unforgiveness towards others. That's seriously important, isn't it? There's a powerful story and with this I'm beginning to come to a close. Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, begins this story from Jesus, is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me. I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Just two lines before this story, Jesus talking about this very topic, forgiveness, says what you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Something happens when one person in a relationship will not confess and ask for forgiveness or when we continue to hold something against a person in a relationship either way there's something bound up on earth it's not free it's all constricted it's not right and it's also bound in heaven what does forgiveness mean well in the greek language of the new testament it means cancelling a debt literally striking it out as if it had never existed or another wonderful word is a Greek word called aphiem. Watch this with me. It means letting it go. When I hold on to unforgiveness, it's like holding on to this balloon. It's in my face. It's out of all proportion. It's bigger than it should be. And it's stopping my hand from doing anything else. But the minute I let it go, it shrinks in size. It's now manageable. It's no longer in my face and my hand is free to function. So then, what's our response? To daily confess our sins to God. It's so easy in the everyday, in the, <coughs> excuse me, in the busyness of life to forget to confess sin 
and ask for forgiveness. It is life-restoring, life-giving, energy-enhancing to experience and actually receive forgiveness every day. That's why the Bible says, be angry, but don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And let's also remember daily not to hold offense against others. Let's forgive from our hearts. Let's cancel the debt that the relationship owes us. Let's not hold things against others. Now, folks, if you've been impacted by anything you've heard today, you can ask any question you like using the chat function, YouTube or Facebook right now, and someone will come back to you. And or if you like the sound of knowing God as your father and belonging to the family, email the address you see on the screen right now, and we'll send you a book called Why Jesus. And if you'd like us to, we'll give you a call on your mobile or on WhatsApp and we'll chat it through with you. It's lovely being with you all. Thank you. Take care and stay safe, but do forgive.